This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. That is the message of Easter, right? Happy Easter, everybody. Did you ride in or float in? I know you got wet because I hugged some of you on the way in. I know it was a little drippy out there. So, boy, if you were part of the Umbrella Brigade, thank you for coming and helping people stay dry as much as they could. All right? Yes, thank you. You know, Good Friday was an awesome time here at the church. How many of you were Good Friday? Yeah, about half to two-thirds of the ice. It was an awesome time But you know, one of the ladies on the way out the door said to me, I'm coming back Easter morning because I want to hear the rest of that story. I said, well, I got good news for you. It's not like the Titanic. This one doesn't go down, right? This one comes up, and that's the deal. So that's the message of of Easter. For those of you who are brand new to New Life, I want to welcome you. I know that Easter is a very popular Sunday for people to go out and look for a church home. And uh, I know that some of you, maybe many of you, uh, fit that description. That's why you're here today. And I just want to say welcome to you. I want to say make this your home this morning. And then my prayer is that you would end up making it your home for many years. Because I can tell you this. as As a family of followers of Christ, we just love reaching out to take hold of the life that Christ has for us. And there's no other life like it. There's no place that you can get what you can get from Jesus. And 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 we're going to show you that in so many ways this morning. Uh, Because we're going to look at the intersection of two things. The life that God has for us and the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to look at where those two things intersect and what they mean for us and what they can mean for every one of us. Are you up for that? All right. All right. Would you stand with me uh, for a word of prayer before we get started? Father, I pray for every single person in this room right now. I pray for those who are not Christians yet, who are going to make that decision this morning. And they've just come. It's just Easter morning, and, and, and they're here either checking out the church or who knows. But they're here, and yet you're going to reach down. You're going to take hold of their heart. And they're going to know it. They're going to feel you tugging at their heart. God, I pray this morning that they would have the courage to step over that line and follow you. I pray for those who have wandered away. And and this is sort of their first foot back in the pool. I pray that they would feel so drawn in by you. That they would recognize that uh, it's time for them to return. And this would be the day that they would rededicate their lives to you. I I pray for those who who have come this morning and who are really struggling. And this has been a really tough week. And they've received some really bad news. and, And they're just trying to figure out how to walk in it. Lord, would you minister to them today? Would you plant the seeds of hope in their life that they would leave this place knowing that you have a plan for them. And in spite of what has taken place, it's not going to derail your plan for their life. And that if they would just draw into you, that you would take them by the hand and you would walk them through this dark time. I pray for those who have had an amazing week and wonderful things have happened for them. I pray that they wouldn't be so distracted by the blessing you've given that they would miss you. 
but that they might be drawn in to a deeper level of thankfulness and gratefulness today. And Lord, as we talk about this concept of freedom and this concept of taking hold of the life that you have for us, would you speak into our lives today with a message of great power? I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless. Have a seat. When I was about six, my dad took me on a church work project, and we were going to a campground that was owned by the church, and we were going to do some work. Okay, I was six. I wasn't going to do a whole lot of work, right? But my dad was going to do the work, and so he took me along, and I felt like one of the men. And so, you know, I had a little hatchet, and I was out there hacking on logs for probably all of five minutes. And then I was worn out, and I spent the rest of the day running around in the forest. And I went down and explored a little creek, and, and we uh, roasted hot dogs over an open fire and did all the stuff that real men do. And uh, came home that night, and my mom was giving me a bath uh, before she put me to bed. And she felt, as she was washing my hair, she felt a lump that didn't belong there. And so, like every good mother, when you feel a lump that doesn't belong there, you dig in, right? So she dug in, and she said, son, you have a tick. I said, mom, what's a tick? She goes, it's a bug that embeds itself in your skin and sucks your blood. (laughs) Well, she didn't say it quite like that. But that's how I heard it, because that's what it sounded like. And the very first thing I wanted was, get that out, right? She said, well, that's not so easy, because if I reach in, she said, i got to see if it's attached itself already, and it had. And she said, if I pull it out, the body will come, the head will stay, the head will get infected, and you won't like that. My first thought was, I'm stuck. I got one of these for life. She says, no, no, this is how it works. So she went in, she got a a wooden matchstick. She lit the wooden matchstick, let it heat up for a minute, blew it out. And then she put that hot, the, the hot end of that on the back end of that tick and it backed out right away. She threw it away. I was much relieved. You know, now what would you have thought if I had said, I like my tick. How can I feed it? Could I give it a name? My mom would have said to me, son, you don't realize that tick can make you sick. That tick can give you a disease that will destroy and ruin your life. You don't want it. Now, what I've come to talk about this morning are spiritual ticks. There are things in our lives That if we don't deal with them more accurately, if we don't let God deal with them, they will grow and they will suck the life right out of us. You know what the Bible word for a spiritual tick is? What do you think it is? Sin. Yeah, you got it. And there, there is, there are parts of every one of our lives where we struggle. And the amazing thing about sin is, at first we think it's our friend. We want to keep it. We want to name it. We want to feed it. Because it gets us what we want. Yeah. The first time you yell at your children, 
and they obey you, friends, that is a sad, dark moment in your family. You know why? Because you now believe that yelling is your friend. And you have a new tool in your tool belt. But what you don't realize is that if the motive for your child to obey you is intimidation, you are setting them up to live a life of rebellion and fear all at the same time. They will rebel and do their own thing until somebody bigger than they are intimidates them and then they will give in. Do you really want your children to live that kind of life? No. It does allow you to get your way for a little bit. But in the end, it destroys your family. That's like a tick. At first, it's nothing. It's tiny. You're big. It's tiny, tiny, tiny little thing. But it will attach itself to you. And that's the amazing thing about sin. It attaches itself to us. And the longer it stays attached to us, the harder it is to get rid of, right? Yeah, that's true of every sin. So right up front, take just a little inventory. Look at yourself and say, what is it about my life that I know is a spiritual tick? What is it that I struggle with? What is it that the people in my world would say that I struggle with? And it could be anything. It could be you drink too much. It could be you have an anger problem. It could be you have a, you have a jealousy problem. It could be that your jealousy leads you to go down and take your credit card and mortgage away the rest of your life so that you can feel equal to other people. It could be that you struggle with inferiority and you cover it up with this sense of arrogance and ego and sort of braggadocia. It could, and, and, and you may have lost fan, uh, friends over that. It could be that you struggle with insecurity and you cover it up with self-deprecation and low self-esteem. I mean, that list could go on and on. But I have good news for everyone here this morning. And the good news is we don't have to live with that. Jesus came so we could be delivered from that. In fact, he stated it right up front. And I want you to see Jesus' promise. Take a look at the video screen. Jesus said in John chapter 8, two great statements about his life and his teaching. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? free. We just sang a song that said, rise church, rise. And it was all about being set free and being delivered. And Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want you to circle the word truth. I want you to circle the word free. And then I want you to draw a line between them because you need to know that those two are inseparably tied. And as we get in further into this teaching series, on free and freedom, I want you to know we're going to come back to that concept over and over and over again. In fact, we have one sermon that's almost completely devoted to that connection. But Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, how are you and I going to know the truth? Jesus said, you got to pay attention to what I say. Because here's what he said a few verses later. If the Son, referring to himself, if the Son sets you free, you are, what are the next two words? Truly free, not just pseudo-free. Pseudo-free is what happens when you yell at your kids and they do what you want them to do. You feel a freedom in that moment, but you're not truly free because the, the price for that freedom is bondage eventually. 
But Jesus said, if you listen to what I say and you follow my teachings and you become a follower of me, if the Son sets you free, you will be truly free. And then he goes on to say, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Now, if you get into that, what he's saying is, I'm going to give you the power to overcome death. And we'll, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the point and the promise is this. Take a look. Here's the promise that Jesus makes, that he will break every bondage in my life. Not just some of them, not just a few, not just one or two. He will break every bondage in my life. Now, Right up front, does that seem like a huge promise? It is. It's a vast promise. And that leaves two very important questions on the table. And the first question is this. Can he do that? You know, I did a little car shopping yesterday. Okay? I've done some car shopping before. And, 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 you know, I might not be the brightest light in the harbor, but I have figured out that not every promise that's made to you in that arena actually turns out to be true. <laughs> no offense to anyone who sells cars, okay? Because you can go into any business in the world, and not everything that, that you are told, not every promise that people make out there in the business world is actually going to come true. We've all been on the wrong end of that, right? Jesus makes a huge promise, so how do I know he can make good on that? Well, if you would, let's go to Logic 101. Because if you've ever taken a class in logic, they're going to teach you one of the basic premises in logic is an if-then statement. If this is true, then this is true. So let's take an if-then statement up here about Jesus. If Jesus did something then he can do something. For instance, now, in order for that statement to be true, what you put in the first blank has to always be bigger than what you put in the second blank. For instance, if Jesus lifted a 1,000 pounds, then he can lift 10. Are we okay with that? Right? But if you reverse those two, if Jesus lifted 10 pounds, then he can lift a 1,000 pounds. Is that true? No, probably not. Maybe not for sure. All right? So now, if Jesus did... Then he can. Now, I just read to you that Jesus said that if the Son sets you free, you will be truly free. So let's fill in the second half of that. Because Jesus has said that he can break every bondage in my life. He said he could make me truly free. Now, that begs a huge question. What could Jesus put in the first part of that that would be bigger than breaking every bondage in my life. Let's talk about that for a minute. Because sometimes people say to me, Pastor, don't you think Jesus was just a human being who was maybe the best human being that ever lived? I want to tell you right up front, Jesus was the best human being that ever lived. I do believe that. But if we put that in that first blank... It doesn't get us where we want to go with the second blank. If I say, if Jesus was the best human being that ever lived, then he can break every bondage in my life. Is that true? No, that's not true. No. Sometimes people say, well, don't you think Jesus was, was the best teacher that ever lived? Absolutely. He was the best teacher that ever lived. But if we put that in that first blank, it doesn't get us to, to where Jesus promised. Because if he was just the best teacher who ever lived 
then that doesn't mean he could break every bondage in my life because there have been some great, great, great teachers and they haven't been able to break the bondage in people's lives. What if he was the most successful religious leader in the history of the world? And there's no doubt about that. He is. Today, almost 40% of the world claims to be followers of Christ. No other religion comes close to that. And he's been dead for 2,000 years. No, he's been alive for 2,000 years. Got it? Think about this. If he was just the most successful religious leader that ever lived, would that be any guarantee that he could break every bondage in my life? No. So what's Jesus going to put in that blank? I'll tell you what. There's only one thing he could put in that blank. Because there's only one way that every bondage in your life and my life can be broken, and that is if Jesus was God and not a human. And if he was God in human flesh, how would he prove that? Well, I'll show you how he proved it. He did a sort of cosmic Houdini thing, okay? David Copperfield, if you wish, 2,000 years prior. Only instead of making an illusion, he did the real thing. He said, look, I'm going to do something no one has ever done. I'm going to prophesy the death. I'm going to prophesy my death. I'm going to prophesy my own resurrection. And I'm going to do this. You put me in the straight jacket of death. Now, how are you going to do that? You're going to crucify me in front of thousands of eyewitnesses and thousands of people are going to watch me die and they're not going to be in a controlled environment where they can only see from one angle. Okay? They're going to be all around the cross. And when I'm dead, you have a Roman soldier come up and pierce my side and thrust his spear up into my chest cavity, right through my heart, and you let the water and the blood from my now dead heart spill out on the ground, and then you take me and you wrap me in yard after yard after yard after yard of cloth, and then you take me and you put me in a tomb carved out of solid rock, You put me in there, you take a giant rock, you roll it over that, you fasten that rock with ropes, you come and you put the governor's seal on that, and you put a detachment of soldiers around it, you do anything and everything you want to do to convince yourself that I am not just partially dead, all the way dead, and I'll break every chain. That's right. I will breathe life into my own lifeless body. I will break the bonds of that cloth that's been wrapped around me. That stone, that big giant stone you rolled across the front of that, I'll toss that aside like a pebble. Those soldiers that are out there... By the way, does it strike you as strange that this is the only time in history a detachment of soldiers would put around a grave to keep the guy in it? Think about that for a minute. And he said, I'll walk through them like kindergartners in a sandbox. Because here's the deal. If you ever wonder if I have the power to handle what's going on in your life, I want you to remember this day. It's for you. It's my demonstration to you that no matter what you face, I can handle it for you. Are you happy about that? That, my friends, is 
awesome. That's what he put in the blank. So here it is. If Jesus did raise himself from the dead, then he can break every bondage in my life, including what? Including death. Are you happy about that? That is awesome. So now here's the deal. The Apostle Paul prayed this prayer for you and for me. Take a look at it, Ephesians chapter 1. He said, I pray. This would be my prayer for you this morning and for me. I pray that we will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. And notice right where he goes. That is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Is that the Easter message in one verse? There it is. So whatever it is you're facing today, no matter what bondage is in your life, if you're tired of yelling at your kids, if you drink too much, if you're addicted to pornography, I I don't care what it is, whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life, it could be some secret sin that nobody knows anything about. You, You could be walking around being the most proud person and none of us would even know it because you're so proud of your humility that you come across as humble. Might have to chew on that one for a while. Okay? But you're tired of the charade. And you would just love to just be the you that God created you to be. And to drop your guard and just be real. Whatever it is, I want you to know that the power of Christ is bigger, way bigger than anything you struggle with. But there's still another question on the table. Because most of us in this room probably don't struggle believing that Jesus can deliver us. You know where we struggle? We struggle believing that He will. How am I to believe that He would do that for me? I could see why He would do that for Mother Teresa. I could see why He would do that for Billy Graham. I could see why he would do that maybe for our pastoral staff or for you, Pastor. I could see why why God would do that for you because you guys are all holy people. You know, the interesting thing is I have read the Bible cover to cover and I have never found Mother Teresa's name in it. I haven't found Billy Graham's name in it. And believe me, I've looked for my own. And other than on the cover where I wrote it, not there. You know what that means? It means that every single promise in the Bible applies equally to every single person. Is that good news? Friends, that's great news. That's awesome news. So let's go back to our if statement. How do I know that God would do this for me? Okay? So... We've already seen that God has promised He will break every bondage in my life. Okay? We've already seen that. So now what could God put in that first blank that would convince me that He would actually do that? Well, Paul wrote an if-then statement in Romans chapter 8. We're just going to go straight there. Here's what Paul wrote. If God is for us, Who could ever be against us? Are you on board with that? 
Yeah. In the game of life, if God is on your side, does it make any difference who's on the other side? Nope. No difference whatsoever. Because if God's on my side, we're winning. Outcome's already been decided. So if God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, Paul, how would I know God is for me? Here's what he says. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Wow. Let's write that in the blank. If God gave his own son for us, then should I believe he would want to break every power in my life? Every bondage. What do you think? Yeah. There's nothing he wouldn't do for me. And that's what Paul said. If God is for us, who can be against us since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, here it is, won't he also what? Give us everything else. So when Jesus said, if the son sets you free, you will be truly free. He wasn't just speaking hypothetically. He was speaking in reality. He was saying, friends, that is God's goal for you and for me. No exceptions. A few verses later, as Paul thinks about that, meditates on that, notice the conclusion he comes to. So he said, I'm convinced that nothing could ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. By the way, if you're struggling with something in your life, you think it's bigger than angels and demons? Probably not. Okay? Compared to angels and demons, it's more like a hangnail to God. Right? Not even our fears or our worries for today or tomorrow, not even the powers of hell, can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed where? Oh, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, Jesus is God's guarantee that He wants to do what He can do. And we've already learned He can do anything. And if there's anything that I would want for you today, whether you come here every Sunday or you're here for the first time, if there's anything I'd want for you, is is that you would leave this place knowing that God is for you. And that God has a life for you through Jesus that's amazing and there's no other life like it. And it's the greatest thing you could ever get a hold of. And I know it's got some scary moments in it. And I know that as God calls you to that life, He's going to make changes in you. And those changes, some of them, you're going to say, Oh, thank God, I've wanted to change that for years. And some of those changes you're going to look at and go, That too? But I promise you, And more importantly, God promises you that if you will walk with Him through all those changes, He will give you the power in your life and He will make those changes happen in your life. And five years down the road, you will look back at this day and you will say to me, which many of you have, you will say to me, Pastor, the best thing that ever happened to me in my entire lifetime was this church. You know what I will say to you? 
That's because the best thing that ever happened to you was Jesus. You just found him here. Are you on board with that? That is the message of Easter. Look, I want to lay out God's goal for you and me. He said it here, and this is sort of our text for the rest of this sermon series. And I, and I want to tell you this morning, all I've done is set the table and, and set the table in that God can break every bondage in your life and God can lay out before you a life that's amazing and it's the greatest thing you could ever take hold of. But I haven't gotten into any of the how of that and that's what the whole rest of this sermon series is about. So if you come today, you got the appetizer and that's all you get. Does that make sense to everybody? So you're going to want to come back every week so that we can delve into how can God do this because there's some amazing stuff of how God wants to work in your life. 700 years before Jesus, God wrote this about His Son. And He wrote it in the form of a prophecy and He was describing the life, the mission, and the teaching of Jesus and how it would affect you and me. And I just want to read it to us. It's written from the standpoint of Jesus saying it about himself. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. For the Lord has anointed me to preach and to bring, what's the next two words? Good news. Well, what Jesus teaches is not condemnation, it's good news. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be what? Free. Friends, that's you and me. That's who he's talking about. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes. If you feel like your life is just a pile of ashes today, Jesus said, look, bring me your ashes. Just bring me what you got. Bring me whatever's left. And I promise you, I will fashion out of those ashes a crown of beauty. And then he says, a joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. Three ways that we can respond to that. I'm going to lead us in that. And then the worship team is, is going to play a song and sing a song. And I want you to get caught up in the words of the song because it's the concept that Christ can break every chain in our life. And I want that truth to resonate in our hearts and lives. But three things. First of all, those of you who have never made the decision to become a Christian. Maybe your parents were Christians, your grandparents were Christians. Maybe you come to church periodically. Maybe you've been coming to church uh, every week for quite a while. Bottom line is, only you can make the decision to become a Christian. Only you. And if you haven't made that decision, I can't think of a better time to make it than right here, right now, neither can God. So I want to invite you. I want to encourage you. If you feel God tugging at your heart saying, this is the morning, then I want to say, do it now. Because when God talks to you, friend, that's way more important than me talking to you. Because church is not about coming and listening to the pastor. Church is about connecting with God. And God can do things in your heart I can't. So if he's talking to you about that, you check that on, on the bottom of your notes. Also, check it on this card, okay? On the back side of this card, the side that says connect, okay? You check it there because we want to get with you and walk you through that process. It's simple. It's not hard. But, but boy, we want you to get the full impact of it.
Okay? So you check that there. Then secondly, you can say, I've identified a spiritual tick in my life. I've got that on there because I don't want you to sneak out and think I slid under the radar. Does that make sense? Okay? So if you know a spiritual tick, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust you to check the box. Thank God I don't have a blank after that asking you to write it in there, all right? But I want you to know what it is, and I want you to confess to God what He already knows it is, okay? And then the last one is, I'm going to come every week for two reasons. Number one, I want you to learn the how, okay? And I recognize that that's important for you, and so does God. But secondly, it's my prayer that that would also get you into the habit and the routine of going to church and regularly connecting with God. Because, friends, He can do things in your life you can't get done anywhere else. So now while the worship team plays and sings, I want you to do your business with God. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.